You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Just before we, I know the lights came on and I should have planned that better or told somebody not to do that. But let's, if I just felt like that there was an opportunity right now that if you are, if you are hungry for more, I just want you to stand to your feet real quick. If you, you didn't just come to church to check it off your list and this is, this is a lifestyle I just felt like there's just I could I mean I could feel your hunger in the room I really could and I felt like the Father was just saying take this opportunity to to pray into the more and what that looks like and and then we get to choose um, to up the intimacy in our, in our current lives to walk in what He's going to pour out and so Father thank you so much for a room full of of hungry people we want more we know there's there's so so much more than what we have yet to see, what we have yet to walk in personally uh, as a revived family. And, and we just thank you right now for downloading even more. That you would increase the amount of your presence upon us, increase the amount of the anointing on our personal lives, corporately also. Yeah, we thank you for pouring out more. We thank you for stirring up those things that are on the inside of us already that you placed there. We thank you. We thank you. As the apostles prayed, Lord, that they just wanted more boldness to preach your word. We thank you for more boldness. They wanted you to they wanted to see you stretch forth your hand to heal the signs, wonders, and miracles to be done in the name of your holy child Jesus. We want that. We know it's for us. We've seen some of it, but there's so much more. We pray for the more so that we can see our cities transformed. We can see our state, our nation transformed. We can see the nations of the world transformed the way that you have always planned for them to be. I thank you, Father, for sending us and for everybody that will say yes, as Isaiah did in Isaiah 6, that you would we say yes that you want to send us if it's down the street or if it's across the world. We say yes. We say yes to sending us to the next person, to serving the next person, to looking like love in every aspect of our lives. We say yes. We say yes. Let us be in this moment just enamored by you all over again, love struck by our first love all over again. Love sick for you, Jesus. You really would be enough in every single way. We would go to bed and, and dream about and wake up and think about just being with you, knowing you more. Knowing you more. pray for every one of us we would each choose 
to up the intimacy in our lives, to walk in everything that you've poured out in this moment. Show us what that looks like for us individually. Let us not look at the look at our friends or even our mentors or spiritual parents, but I know they can be an example to us, but show us what that means individually with our lives. It's a sacrifice for us. What's it look like to lay on the altar every day? What's it look like to burn for you in our workplace, in our sphere of influence? What's it look like? We don't want to settle anymore for just good enough. I know I don't want to settle for just enough. I don't even want to settle for the miraculous things that I've seen you do. I'm grateful, but I'm not satisfied. I thank you, Father, that you've, you've brought us people that are full but not satisfied. Let us remain that way. Let us not be lulled to sleep, this lullaby in our nation. Lord, it can cause us at times to be lethargic and, and content in not a good way. <laughs> not in the way Paul talked about it. I thank you for helping us wake up. <laughs> yeah, the Father, he's waking, he's waking the church up. He's waking the church up all over our nation. Yeah, thank you, Father, that we get to be a part this next great awakening. Yeah, thank you. Thank you that it's happening, but there's so much more to come. Yeah, thank you. Thank you of your promise that those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. <laughs> and when you fill, <laughs> you overflow. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. for extraordinary extra extraordinary encounters with you thanks for helping us be a, a walking talking encounter for others that we would begin to exude your love and your peace and your presence and your power in new ways people just get near us, they would be impacted without us saying anything. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for that, Father. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Lord. In Jesus' name. makes me happy to be with hungry people. <laughs> we all know there's more to this life that we live for Jesus, right? I mean, you read, you read the Bible and you see, you're like, I don't see, I don't see that right now in my life. And this is supposed to be, like the book of Acts is our greatest example for the Christian life. 
now and today. <laughs> not the manual that somebody else wrote, all that stuff's good. Huh? You know what I mean? It, like the book of Acts is literally the example for our lives. It's beautiful. doesn't say amen at the end of that particular book for a reason. Because <laughs> it was just supposed to continue to increase. And I know, though, we haven't seen some of the things that we have, we have hoped for and some of the things that even they, they have seen then, we are seeing, we are seeing miracles, right? We are seeing miraculous things take place. We, we are seeing, I mean, there was somebody who just got saved at the mall yesterday at Outreach. We're seeing people get born again. We're seeing people get born again in the Middle East, right here in America. We're seeing, we're seeing blind eyes open, deaf ears open. We're seeing bones grow, cancer disappear, Metal move, shift, melt, like <laughs> all kinds of different pain leave, lungs be healed. I'm just naming a few things and <laughs> just trying to encourage you that God's doing some incredible stuff. We just saw a young lady, uh, <clears throat> she just told me this week, I had the privilege of, of giving her an example. She's a 19-year-old young lady who, to just... Last month in August was diagnosed with PTSD, uh, bipolar, uh, clinical depression, and anxiety. And she was on medication. And she asked me what prophecy is. And I began to explain to her what prophecy was. And then I began to give her a demonstration of what prophecy is. Because thankfully the Holy Spirit gave me something, right? You can't make that stuff up. I couldn't conjure that up on my own. It needed to be. And I can encourage her on my own. But I began to see her journal. I began to see things that she was writing in it. Uh, and I began to tell her these things that I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying. And when you're prophesying, you're just hoping, right? You're just hopeful. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I rarely ever know 100% that it's Jesus. You're just, you're like, and then you check. And she's just, you know, usually crying is a good indication. Sometimes it's laughing. Um, and, and she starts to cry and shake, and I'm like, does that make sense? You know, is that, is that Jesus? Because <laughs> if it doesn't make sense, it was me. If it makes sense, it was Jesus. And, and she starts to explain to me how, you know, how she, it was confirmation to her and these different things, and I'm just always in awe and wonder of God in those moments that I actually have the privilege of being a part of a moment like that. It's a privilege to be a part of an encounter that somebody has whether you're just a bystander, whether you're in the room, whether you're sharing a word, whether you're praying, whatever it is, you know, he's the one that's enforcing the victory. And it's just beautiful. And I stay in that place of always, always realizing that it's a privilege every moment I get to minister to somebody and see anything happen. And, and if I, I've, I've not been in that place before. I know what it's like to not be there. And then you just get caught up in trying to get one more thing done for one more person. And it's a really, really bad place to be in ministry. And I've left that place years ago, and I'm glad to, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so she tells me this week, which that happened uh, just would have been two weeks ago yesterday, the, the story I just told you. And she tells me on Tuesday night of this week, she said, hey, after I got that word, um, I, felt like I, was, I felt like Jesus had told me now I could stop taking my medication. Let me be very clear. I never tell anybody that. <laughs> I don't give medical advice. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. I do claim to be a physician's assistant at times. <clears throat> I 
I was waiting for the rest of you to catch up. <clears throat> I get creative when people ask me what I do for a living because when you say pastor, they just immediately peg you and put you in this hole and I'm like, pastor doesn't even come close to describing what I do. <laughs> Whatever you think it is probably isn't accurate. <laughs> and then they start to act weird too when you tell them that. So, <laughs> it, and, and, and she says, yeah, I just felt like I was supposed to, you know, Jesus told me to quit my medication and I thought, you know, well, she'll scale off and kind of wean herself off of it. And over, she said, "Yeah, over like two days." And I'm like, "That's not that's not weaning yourself off of your medication. That's just stopping." And she's completely healed. Like she doesn't have any symptoms of anxiety, bipolar, clinical depression, or PTSD. Isn't that amazing? Like I, I, I make a declaration that says when I prophesy, people feel seen, known, and loved, which is what the prophetic does. And when I prophesy, people get healed, uh, encounter love, get set free, all these things that you, you make declarations in hope, and you don't always see that take place. And I'm like, wow, Jesus, you're amazing. Like you healed this young lady in a moment. And you're not even aware. Like we, it wasn't like we were, we didn't, I didn't pray for her. Like we weren't praying or anything. And so those kind of things are, are happening. And I tell you stories like that not to encourage you to what's happening through, through my life or through our lives, but to give you an invitation in what's possible through your life. This is an example. Jesus did it very well is that he, he taught from the example of his life. He demonstrated he, taught, he demonstrated, he taught them in demonstration, and then he taught them in words, and then he sent them to go and do it themselves. Kind of like this, who, who, has, um, who has an alignment, an alignment issue, lower back pain that you, you know you have an alignment issue, or maybe you don't. You, we've got a lot of takers, a lot of takers, okay. Um, how do I want to do this? So there were five of you that raised your hand, if I'm correct. One, two, three, four, five. All right, I got that many fingers. I know I can count that high. So let me, you have an alignment issue, Barbie? They're asleep. And you have pain in your back? All the way from the neck, all the way down. All the way down? How, how bad? How, what level of pain? Is it? Right now I have pinching. Yeah. And I can't, my hands go to my finger. I can't control anything. Sometimes my um, fingers swell up uh, by circulation, and I can feel the pinching because it's there. Yeah, the nerve is pinched. Mm-hmm. And have you been to the chiropractor? Yeah. And I couldn't go back because they couldn't afford it. I didn't have insurance. Things got complicated. And then here I am. So did they tell you your, uh, your body's misaligned, too, I from the... Inward, instead of being curved inwards, it's curved outwards. Curved outwards. And so we've got to... I have scoliosis. I have a little bit of arthritis. It's all because of the car accident. Okay. So, so this is what I'm going to do, because I was going to have all five of you. I was going to do something different, and I think that I ought to do it this way. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have someone pray for Barbie, and then we're going to pray for the rest of you. Um, because I didn't anticipate this many people. 
but that's a good thing. I like it when there's, when there's more because it, it raises the, the level of anticipation for more to happen. And so who hasn't seen a, uh, you know what, who hasn't seen a miracle happen through their hands? Have you ever prayed and seen a miracle happen? Like for a physical healing happen? Nope. Nope. Either, either one of you, Joey, either? Okay. So can, can, I, can I have both of you come up and help me? So, Barbie, will you come up real fast? Will you slide over? Will you come sit up here? <clears throat> I'm going to tell you guys what to say. This is going to be super easy. Like, you're not going to... I know this may be a, a further stretch for... Thank you. So <laughs> he's more like Lindsay. So, come on over here. And uh, so I'm not, I'm not going to be the one that prays. I'm just going to be the one that, that, that helps coach them and what to do. And I just want to give you a real-life example of what Jesus did with his life. Right? He, he demonstrated, and then he, he, this is what we call, uh, this is what we call empowerment. This is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to empower people. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check your alignment. Is that cool? <laughs> cool. I got your legs. You don't have to hold them. I got them. Come look over, over over my shoulder, both of you. Can you look look right there? You see how far her heel is out? Like, I mean, it's. I mean, I don't have a tape measure, but that's got to be an inch and a half. <laughs> we, we do have a tape measure on the wall back there, though. Jesus grows like literally grows you. We do. <laughs> you think I'm joking? We have an eye chart too. <laughs> if you're going to expect miracles, you got to have the stuff to check them, right? I got a metal detector in the closet in case metal melts in your body. <laughs> Not because I'm worried that you're packing. <laughs> I'm not joking about that either. <laughs> so this is what you guys kneel down here with me. You guys cool with that? And so uh, one of you just put your hand on, on, on Barbie's leg. And uh, who, who, who wants to? You guys can both say it out loud at the same time if you want to. Is that cool? So just say, uh, thank, you, thank you, Jesus, for healing Barbie. For healing Barbie. All pain leave. All pain leave. Alignment be healed. Alignment be healed. All trauma from the accident go. All trauma from the accident go. <laughs> In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. <laughs> okay, now open your eyes. and I should have told you to pray with your eyes open. So, no, you're good. No, I just didn't want you to miss the miracle. Do you see her, do you see her alignment now? Oh do you God, see her? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you see that? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy, right? I was just here. It played as a supporting role, as Owen was talking about. <laughs> I want you to, to stand up and see how you, how you feel. <clears throat> even. You feel even? How's your, how's your pain and all that stuff? Check it all out. There's no pinching? No pinching? There's, my hands are not asleep. Not asleep anymore? So you got they're, feeling they're back in them? They're tight, but they're, they're not asleep. Yeah? Okay. I can actually feel circulation. You can feel circulation? Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Thank you, guys. You guys can sit down. Thank you. <clears throat> So let's pray for the other people real quick. You guys want to stand up real fast? <clears throat> and you guys are, are there, so we'll just, you guys just point your hands towards them. <laughs> if you need alignment healing, 
So thanks, Jesus. Yeah, Holy Spirit, come. We thank you for what you just did for Barbie, doing it for each one of these people right now in Jesus' name. Thanks for all alignment being completely healed. Thank you for everything going back in its appropriate place. Thanks for all trauma leaving in Jesus' name. Yeah, thank you for all pain going in the name of Jesus. <laughs> More, Lord. <laughs> yeah, alignment be healed in Jesus' name. <laughs> Thanks, I miss this opportunity to be holy, mischievous. Thanks, Lord, for more. <laughs> thanks for healing each person right now. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for your healing love. <laughs> yeah, I just want you guys to... Oh, thanks, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Yeah, she's going to need Kleenex. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get way more. If Morelli brings you Kleenex, you're going to get way more than, than you bargained for. So you guys check yourself out. Do you feel any different? Little ones, raise your hand if you, if you, feel, if you feel 100%. You feel completely better? Yeah? Some better? Mike? Could you tell the difference? Yeah, well, I've just been dealing with so long. Okay. Yeah, thanks, Jesus. Would you say more, Lord? It, it, Annie, mother, mother, daughter. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, let us let us know, and, and Janet, you let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Keep us keep us posted, I, and I know you will. Yeah. So thanks, Jesus. My gosh. And and. Did you know, Zoe, how long have you been saved? Maybe three months? If that, maybe not three months. That's what I, that's what, that's my favorite. And, and Cole, you, I mean, this, it's refreshing, new, new for you, all this. So neither one of them ever seen a miracle through their hands, never prayed and seen a miracle, and, and literally were, were trained and equipped and empowered in, in moments. And, and that's, so this is what we, we call, I'm going to wrap up the series today on culture of honor. This is what we call a culture of empowerment. And what I propose to you is that a culture of honor and a culture of empowerment are inseparable. That they, you can't have one without the other. A culture of honor is to apply the correct value to each person's life. Regardless of what the way they're acting or what you think they may be worth, Jesus said, they're, they're worth my life. And so both born again and not yet born again people. <laughs> That's what I like to call them. Because I, when I say that, or I just say those sinners that are lost, then I have a mindset. And may, that may sound like semantics to you, but to me, it's a viewpoint. And when I view them as not yet born again, then I am anticipation that they will be giving their lives to Jesus. Because that's what they were made for. It's His will. And so when I apply the correct value to somebody's life, we call that, we create a culture of honor. There's a lot more that goes into that, and this is the fourth time I've talked about it, and Joe talked about it, and I believe that, uh, I don't know, did Nikki and Sarah both, did you both teach on it, or did Sarah taught on it on Wednesday night, I believe, on honor. And so I want to add this other piece to it, which is a culture of empowerment. 
And this is the mentality that we have taken on, is that we are not interested in growing a big church. We're interested in growing big people. Growing, growing, now, we are praying for a bigger building. If you haven't noticed, we need something larger. We are praying, believing, asking, and uh, taking all advice that you were willing to give. Dreams, prophetic words, we'll take it all. Um, I got one from Steve Backlund the other day. Um, it wasn't necessarily just for me, but I was listening to his podcast, and, and at the end of it, he said, I feel like there's a pastor that, that just know that the, that's listening, that know that this building is coming, and it's going to be easier than you think. I'm like, yes, Lord. <clears throat> so, but with a mindset of building big people, we've adapted from the way that Jesus lived his life. It's, it's kingdom culture. And so we specifically use empowering language so that we will ignite the things that are already on the inside of you. There's two approaches that I can take to discipleship uh, and to teaching and to this whole Christian life is that I can point out what is wrong with you and speak what I call now disempowering language that only points out the things that I see that are negative and never gives you a solution to them. Like I'm not saying there's anything wrong with pointing out when, when there's something bad that's happening. But I, I am to offer solutions, and I have the solution. He's Jesus. But I need to be able to present it in a context that I am not focused on the negative, but I am actually focused on the solution. Or I, I take the approach is that I actually use language that will empower who you already are in Christ. And when that happens, what, what it does to us, because we were created to be empowered, we were not created to be disempowered. We were not created to, to be shamed or condemned or for people to constantly berate us with negative language. That's why it sucks the life out of us. At least that's the way that it feels. It beats us down, right? And we don't feel alive. But when, on the flip side of that, when somebody empowers me, I come, I come alive, because that's what I was made for. Jesus had words of life. And he spoke, he gathered together some of the, it was a motley crew that he had, right? He could have, he had an option. Do you know that Jesus didn't, he could have gathered 12 of the greatest people that were in the community. He could have gathered 12 people that were the richest, the most intelligent, he had the option to do that, and he chose to gather 12 guys, one of which, might I remind you, he knew the whole time he was going to, to, to deceive him and betray him. Jesus knew that. Isn't that a beautiful picture that we're not supposed to choose who we empower? And so J Jesus chooses these 12 and he lives, he, lives daily, he lives daily life with them. And so this is what we talk about is that revival looks like family. The healthy kingdom family that's relationally connected, that's, that's living on a daily basis the gospel in, in their lives. That the miracle that you see on the, on the front row of the church 
is, is, to, is to empower you to do it when you're at work. It's to empower you to do it in your house. It's to empower. They don't need to be at the altar. Sarah doesn't need to be singing or playing in the, in the background when you're, you know, it, it doesn't matter. I, I've, <laughs> I've prayed for people some of the craziest background music going on in Kroger or Walmart or in the Middle East when the call to prayer is going on. You know, you're just like, you just tune all that out and you realize that God is, he's, he's here because he's with me. When you walked into the room, Jesus walked into the room, and that made anything probable, not just possible. And, and so this is, Jesus built relationship with these particular guys, and in his daily life, immediately, he begins to demonstrate what is possible. He was not, you can tell from his life, and I'll give you some scripture soon, you can tell from his life is that he wasn't just walking around there was a day and time in the church when this, when this happened, years and years ago, actually not too many decades ago, is that it was all about the one person that had the anointing, and then they just demonstrated what was possible on stage, and everybody else just did administrative work, and they were catchers, and you know what I mean, took up the offering. Or, and that was just, they worked off the revelation they had at that current time, even though that's not the revelation that Jesus demonstrated in his in his life. So he could have just walked with them and said, hey, you just walk me, watch me do miracles. Because that would have been a whole lot less messy <laughs> than to empower these 12 guys, one of which was robbing from you <laughs> and, was, and could not be trusted. But he was showing us that it's not, it's, it's, it's not whether I think they're worthy of trust. It's the Father says he's worthy of trust. <clears throat> so he walks, and I'm going to read to you out of, I'm going to give you some scriptures out of Mark. I won't read you all the verses for time's sake, but I will give you scriptures that if you want to write down, you can go back and look, and I hope that you do, so that you see once Jesus gathers 12, that he begins to, to live intentionally in front of them, and then empowers them in his language and is constantly, consistently empowering them all the way up into the end of his time on planet earth after he had risen from the dead and spent 40 days and then ascended to the right hand of the father. He's empowering them the whole time because it was never just about him. <clears throat> it was about raising up a group of people who would look like him, who would live like him, and be a demonstration like he was, and, and would empower the next generation. That's what a culture of honor and a culture of empowerment is. And remember what I said <clears throat> last week, is that I will never create a culture around me that I don't have on the inside of me. If I am going to have a culture of empowerment around me, I must create a culture of empowerment on the inside of me. Declarations are the one, of, one of the ways that I empower myself. I make declarations of truth of what the Father, who the Father says I am. Because the way that I create a culture of empowerment in me is the same way that I transform my mind. I believe truth and get rid of lies. And truth empowers. Lies disempower. Lies disempower me and they empower the liar. <laughs> and I don't want that. <clears throat> And so I, I do this daily because 
I spend self-care time. This is the practical. I'm giving it to you early. And I talk about it often. Because it's really important. Is that I spend time daily on positive affirmations and declarations. And, and focusing on my heart health. Making sure that I don't have unforgiveness or bitterness or anger. Or picked up any offense or anything like that. I spend time daily because it's important. My self-care is vital for the people that are around me. Even my self-care is not truly, honestly, and solely about me. It's about if I really care about the people in my life, I love you so easy to say. We say it often around here because we really love people. But it's, it's really easy to say, but to all the women in here, they, have you ever said, I know you say you love me, but show me, Right? <laughs> so, so there's, you know, talk is cheap. And so I need to be able to demonstrate what, what love looks like. And when I say that I love the people in my life, I will take care of me. Not in a selfish way, but in a way that will actually create this culture, this healthy culture on the inside of me that will empower. That's one of my declarations. I empower my wife by loving her and believing in her. And, and, and so it hasn't always been that way. You know, early on it wasn't that way. And then you, f- you focus on it more and more and you're just, you're learning as you go. So regardless of where you're at right now, there's so much hope. And if you're still breathing, you still got time. That's the good news, right? Is that you can shift the, the way that you are living your daily life in a moment. It just takes, it takes routine. It takes daily discipline. It takes these things that will help create this culture so that I can walk at, at, in everything Jesus paid for. Like I was, I was literally praying last night. We had a worship night, which was crazy, crazy amazing. Like you find out how wild and wonderful and weird <laughs> Jesus can be. <laughs> I had an idea of what revival would look like, and then he's like, hmm, not your decision on what it looks like. I'm like, this makes me uncomfortable. He's like, good. That's why I gave you a comforter. <clears throat> so last night, while I'm encountering Jesus and just getting completely, I mean, just wrecked by his love, I'm like, Lord, I want to walk, walk in more. I, wanna, I know I want to walk in more. I want to get more impartation. I want to walk in more for the sole purpose of the world around me. I want to see more people know Jesus. I want to see more miracles happen for that purpose. I want to see more people get set free, see more people healed of trauma and PTSD and, and schizophrenia and all those things. I want to see more people that were once suicidal like I was be completely whole and, and love life because it, it's worth living with Jesus. I want to see more of that. That's why I want more. That's why I pray for more. It's why I want to walk in more. And I, heard, I literally heard him speak to my heart, and he said, I, I, want, I, I told you already, and he did. He told me a couple months ago, he's like, I need you to up the intimacy in your life. If you want to walk in more, you need to up the intimacy to walk in more. I'm like, okay, and then I begin to ask him, what's that look like for me? What, what do I need to believe? I, it's not about what I need to do, what do I need to believe? What, my beliefs need to go to another level of what that looks like for me. <clears throat> and so... This is, this is why it's, it's so important. Me creating a culture of empowerment inside me, I, I know that we were created to empower people. 
every one of us. That's one, that's one of our assignments that is across the board the same. Just like sharing the gospel in whatever way that God calls you to share the gospel. I'm not saying you've got to go do it in street evangelism or any of that. We're not trying to fit square pegs in round holes. But I, I embody the gospel. And I am a living epistle. And so I will demonstrate the gospel. That comes with signs, wonders, and miracles. It comes with healing. It comes with people getting set free from demonic stuff. That, that's, that's all of our calling. And you figure out with Jesus how that plays out in your life. All right? But <laughs> are you with me? You, are you with? So <laughs> that's across. I mean, it's, it's like Jesus says, okay, this is, this is what you're all called to. And each one of you have some individual things that are giftings and anointings and graces that not everybody has. That make up the body of Christ. Joint and knit together by one spirit, one Lord, one baptism, one faith, one incredibly amazing father. <laughs> and uh, we're going to use that on Wednesday night. Nikki, you didn't get to it. <laughs> so <laughs> Jesus, dem Jesus demonstrated love, compassion, authority, miracles, healing, raising the dead, a lifestyle of what it looks like to be a son in right relationship with a loving father. Jesus demonstrated all these things, and I'm sure I missed some, but these are the, some of the primary things that he demonstrated. So Mark chapter, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 19. I'm not reading this. I'm just giving you the verses. Jesus chooses the 12, and that's where we see Judas chosen. <laughs> it, it, it brings your theology back into probably correct it corrected my theology some time ago because you're like god knew what this guy was going to do and he and he chose him and it reinforces ephesians 1 where it says you were all chosen before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love and i'm like whoa that's good you can't get away from being chosen it's just because he loves us <clears throat> So Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, Jesus demonstrates authority by calming a storm. I'm going to read two of, these, two of these verses and show you what I believe was Jesus not only demonstrating something, but empowering the disciples. Verse 39 says, when Jesus woke up, because the disciples had come to him and freaked out and said, don't you even care that we're getting ready to die? <laughs> <laughs> this will be the response of, of people that are in freakout mode and you're in peace. You don't even care, do you? Because worry has become a sign of caring. <laughs> like, you're not worried, you don't care. I'm like, no, I'm just not worried. Uh, we, we talked about that. Some of you haven't heard it because we talked about it on Wednesday night a couple times. And it, it's true. It's, it's remaining in peace is abnormal. It's counter the world's culture to remain in peace when there's a storm. And Jesus is, is in peace. Well, he's the Prince of Peace. And so, and you know he lives in us, so we have access to that same peace. We have all the peace we could ever need. I don't care what happens, what natural disaster, what's going on in the world, what the news is pumping, whatever it is, I've, I have the Prince of Peace living in me. I need to just remind myself of that and settle back in if I get out of there. All right? Because we're one. 
So verse 39, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the waves and said, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Verse 40, then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? This to me is not a shot to their faith, but an invitation saying, you actually could have done this same thing. I've been living this life in front of you. you, you, have, you I'm, I'm looking for you to step into it. It looked to me like he was, he was saying, here, you guys do it. That's why he's asleep in the boat. He's like, you have an opportunity. So he gets up, he does it for them, and there again demonstrates what's possible through their lives. Who Jesus. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. Jesus demonstrates authority over demonic spirits. This is, uh, this is where that demon-possessed guy in the Gadarenes, he comes up and he'd been uh, breaking his chains. And, and it says, breaking his chains and crushing his shackles. Like those were serious pieces of steel. Like, they didn't make those at Ikea. Like, the <laughs> no, no shot to Ikea, but if you're ever moving, make sure that if you ask me, you have furniture from Ikea because it's really light. <laughs> but these were real steel handcuffs and shackles, and this dude was seriously had some supernatural demonic power going on. Verse 8, so Jesus, not only does he demonstrate authority over demonic spirits, but he also empowers a guy who's been a believer for like minutes. Check this out. Verse 18 says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, this is after he cast all the demons out of him, the man who had been, can I mention also that the man actually ran to Jesus and fell down and began to worship him? Isn't that wild? He actually fell down at his feet. He ran to Jesus and fell down at his feet. Anyway, and Jesus was getting into the boat. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Verse 20, so the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what they told him, at what he told them. He immediately evangelizes 10 cities. He'd been saved like 20 minutes after he'd gotten radically, radically delivered from like thousands of demons. And Jesus empowers, you, you, you know, immediately every pastor, discipleship maker, red flags are going up, warning signs are going off. They're like, he hasn't went through boot camp. He hasn't been discipled long enough. He doesn't know the language. Does he even know our prayer model? I don't know. Does he know the right way to pray? Do you think he'll share the gospel right? He's going to mess this up. Like, you know, all this stuff, all these things go off. And, and, Jesus, and Jesus doesn't even give him a model. He just says, go tell him what the Lord has done for you. Because he knew that was enough. I'm like, that's, a, that's amazing. Because Jesus, a culture of empowerment is not afraid of a mess. Jesus was not afraid of a mess. You, you know what's not messy? The cemetery. No mess. Right? Nothing living. But where life comes and where revival that becomes healthy kingdom family... There's, there's messes, right? Because we're growing in maturity. Now, it's not an excuse to make a mess because we teach you how to clean up your own because I'm not going to do it for you because that's also a culture of empowerment. I'm doing you a disservice. It's like continually rescuing your kid once they get older and, and they become an adult. 
Like you coming to their rescue is, is not empowering them. That's disempowering them. And, say, and saying to them, in your actions, you, you can't really do this. Let me do it for you again. What happens when you're not around and they're in their 30s? You know, hopefully not still living in your basement. <laughs> Right? It's, it's, disempow- it's disempowering. And, and so teaching people to clean up their mess shows them that, hey, you're actually a powerful person. Regardless of anybody ever taught you that before, because all of us grew up in different value systems and different households and all that stuff. And I had to learn this stuff in my 30s. Now, I'm not much older than that now. I know you already thought that. But literally, I, I learned how to adult in my 30s, to be a responsible adult. Before that, I had no interest in it. <laughs> you, you remember that old song, I Don't Want to Grow Up? I want to be a Toys R Us kid. Well, I, I didn't want to be a Toys R Us kid, but I, I just didn't want to grow up. It's just too much responsibility. I thought, this is way too much for me. I'm not going to do this. That did not work out well for me. <laughs> I can hear Danny Silk's voice. How's that, how's that working out for you? <laughs> <laughs> not not good. And so revival culture, it, it literally, it, it, does, it does get messy. And, and we're not afraid of that. We're not afraid of that. Because I would rather be in something that looked like a playpen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where there's mess, but there's life. There's life. That's, that's what we want. <laughs> I'm so jacked up on life right now. I'm, Trying not to take off out of here. Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34. Jesus demonstrated that healing power should flow from us even when we aren't praying for people. The woman with the issue of blood, Jesus is on the way to minister or raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. And a woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. You guys remember the story? She comes through the crowd, she's desperate. She's not supposed to be there. She's risked her life to do it. And she, but that's what desperation will do to you. Desperation is a beautiful thing. You know, we don't have to be uh, desperate. Uh, we don't have to get desperate just when bad things are happening. I like to call it hunger. <laughs> it's, it's the same thing as that a counselor does, would prefer you actually to see them when you don't have crisis. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay to see him when you have crisis, but anyway. So, so this woman with the issue of blood for 12 years goes through the crowd and reaches and touches Jesus, the hem of Jesus' garment, and he feels, he feels power, virtue, power leave him, which shows the disciples and us is that we should actually live a life that leaks his love everywhere that we go, that we exude. Because we have the Spirit of God in us and upon us, we exude the power and the love of God everywhere we go. When we're conscious of it and not conscious of it. I just shared this. Here's a different story. I shared one, and we did a short video about peace. And I walked by the front row, and there was a young lady that was sitting right here. And she, in peace, came on her as I walked by. I was not conscious of, of it. She said it. She told me later. I wouldn't have known if she didn't tell me. She said, it wrapped me up like a warm blanket. And she was going through some stuff and really needed that. And I'm like, that's, that's amazing. I had no clue. I walked by Arelli, who was in, had been in pain for months and was getting ready to go to see a doctor. And she, 
because she's just that tough. She hadn't told any of us <laughs> yet. <laughs> and uh, I just walked by and said hi. She was standing back there. I just walked by and said hi. And because I'm touch love language, I usually will touch your shoulder or something like that. That's just, uh, now, if I don't know you and you don't like that, tell me. But that's <laughs> just it's kind of common practice. We hug and all that stuff here um, because we're affectionate. And she told me, she said, when you touch me, all my pain left that had been there for months. I didn't, I didn't do the prayer model. We hadn't, we, hadn't, we hadn't prayed. I didn't even know she was in pain. But the Holy Spirit knew what she needed. And it just takes us being, we're just, we're just walking in, in, in oneness with him. That's it. And so Jesus demonstrates that. I'm almost done. And after, so, uh, so hold on, this is a real important one too, because we don't get an opportunity often to do this in America, but we need to be prepared for it. In Mark 5, 35 through 43, in that same story, Jesus demonstrates raising the dead by raising the leader of the local synagogue, Jairus' daughter. He goes in and, and they're like, why are you, he's like, why are you crying? She's just sleeping and they just start laughing. <laughs> just not sleep. We've been in there. She's dead. <laughs> Jesus called it sleeping. I'm like, okay. Long nap. He goes in, makes everybody leave, and raises the young girl from the dead. There's three stories of that we see. Uh, we see stopped a funeral. A young boy, uh, actually the only son of a mother, was risen from the dead after he, he stops the funeral. And then we, we see that he does it to the most famous of the stories, Lazarus. Um, after he'd been dead for, for three days. He'd been dead so long that when he said, open the tomb, uh, in the King James it said, Lord, he, he stinketh. <laughs> That's when the King James is funny. <laughs> he'd been dead long enough to stink. And uh, he, de he demonstrates that we, we have life-giving power inside of us. If the spirit of life and, and that the resurrection of the dead um, is not just for the afterlife, that there are people that die prematurely, and you and I get the privilege and the responsibility at the same time with Jesus as one to raise those people from the dead. They talk about it more in other countries because other people die a lot more frequently in other countries because they have poor health care or the lack thereof at all of health care. <clears throat> and so... You know, it's just like praying for sick people. You, you want to see more sick people healed? Pray for more sick people. If you pray for, if you see more dead people healed, you have to be around more dead folks. We've got, we've got, a, we've got a friend who, 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 David Wagner, if you've ever heard his story, some of you have heard, and he got a, a prophetic word, uh, and, well, he got a prophetic word out of the Bible <laughs> that he would raise the dead. <laughs> It's a great place to get prophetic words. It's chock full of them. If you ever want to hear from God, I've got this book. You could. <laughs> it's so good. Bestseller. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, I've gotten so many prophetic words. And so David, David got a prophetic word from the word about raising the dead, and he just started going, he started going to funerals at his local funeral home until one day he got caught. And they said, we know you don't know everybody in Pensacola. You're banned from here. He would just go up to the casket, and he would pay his respects, and he'd grab their hand, and he'd just say, you can feel this. Get up. Squeeze my hand. 
So then he went to, so, so they kicked him out of there, and then he found a, he found a guy that, that worked at the morgue. And um, nice. he got an end to the morgue, and, and he prayed for people until he got caught. <laughs> and I know this is David's story, but he'd let me share it, and, and uh, we're close enough to do that. And, and, then, <laughs> and, then, and then one day, he's standing on stage in Africa, uh, with two different denominational pastors on either side of him that, that might have disagreed with his theological point. When, or theological viewpoint, when this mother who had walked six hours in the blazing sun, and while she was, when she got halfway there to get to the meeting that they were having, her son died in her arms. And so she had a choice. She could either turn back, or she could turn back bury her son there, or keep on walking to the meeting. And she walked to the meeting. Rigor mortis had set in because it's 100 degrees. And, and she walks to the meeting. And she beats people out of the way with her, with her baby boy and lays him up on stage and says, what's your God going to do about this? And the Lord spoke to David and he said, every time you practice was for this moment right here. Amen. And he called breath back into his body. He said, you will live and not die. Proclaim the works of God. And he watched skin come back on the little boy's bones. Watched him, everything come back into perfect working order, and he sat up, and he asked for something to eat. And wow, come on. <laughs> yes. And while, uh, while, while Jesus, oh, I'm sorry, while, while David and Jesus were preaching, the little boy was playing soccer out back. <laughs> come on. There's lots and lots and lots of those stories. And so Jesus, after doing all this demonstration of his life, we see in Mark chapter 6 and then Luke chapter 10, he sends out 12 and then he sends out 70 or 72. There's a small disagreement on whether it's 70 or 72. And he tells them, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. He tells them to do all the things that he demonstrated. And they go out, this motley crew, and they do it because they had somebody who actually believed in them. He, he wasn't just telling them a command. He wasn't like, just do it because I said so. He, when Jesus says something, there's life in his words. And he says, you, you can do it. Go do it because you can. Go do it because this is what you were made for. I'm telling you, I've demonstrated every, every place we go with people who have never seen miracles. I'm like, you want to see a miracle? Come on. I have you pray for this person. Bam, it happens every single, like it did with Barbie, it happens every single time. Some miracles I haven't seen, and they've seen, and they've been Christians for months. And have them pray. It's just, it's, it's wild. It's because it's what God wants to do. And Jesus demonstrated this. <clears throat> In Acts chapter 1, right before Jesus leaves the, right before Jesus leaves the planet, verses 4 through 8, he had a lot of opportunity to tell them lots of different things. But he gives them a simple command, wait in Jerusalem about the promise to the to wait for the promise of the Father. And then in verse 8, he says be, after they try to inquire about, you know, when the kingdom's coming. He says, "But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses all over the world." He's empowering them again. He's like, look, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. He's going to equip you. He's going to actually, you're going to see this. I don't need to be here. It's better that I go. 
you're going to actually see through your life what you've seen through mine and yours, but in greater display, which he had said in John chapter 14, verse 12. He who believes me, the works that I do, he'll do also, but even greater works than these they will do. Because I go to the Father. The promise was coming when he went to the Father. You guys still with me? I'm almost finished. <laughs> and then you see, this is, this is, this is my favorite. It, and then you see the apostles demonstrate from Acts chapter 2 on through the whole book of Acts. I just want to take one story. In Acts chapter 3, you see that Peter and John are going to the temple at the hour of prayer. And there's a guy who's been lame. It means he couldn't walk since birth. Been 40 plus years. It says uh, the miracle that was done, he was over 40 years old. And all they said was, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man got up. They had done what they had been empowered to do. And when they had brought him in front of the religious leaders, and you, you know what? They, they realized that in Acts 4.13, that these are uneducated and untrained men. But they noticed that they'd been with Jesus. How'd they notice they'd been with Jesus? Because Jesus had done the same things, and now they are replicating them on the planet. You know, you know what else empowerment does? Is when they told the disciples to shut up, you can't preach the gospel in this name, name anymore. Don't you tell people this anymore. Disempowered people would listen to that and say, I don't want to get in trouble. Empowered people would say what the apostles said, you, you tell me whether it's good for us to listen to you or to listen to God. And they said, we can't do anything. Literally, this is what it says in verse 20. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We can't do anything but speak the things that we've seen and heard. Because when, you get, when we get empowered and people demonstrate a life like that to us and show us what's possible through our lives, it ruins us forever. It ruins us in a real good way forever. Go ahead and stand to your feet, please. If no one's ever empowered you that you could see miracles in your life and that you could do all the things that Jesus did and demonstrated to the disciples and demonstrated to us by his life, you got it today. He lives in you and upon you. You're, you are a world changer. Right? <laughs> you are a world changer changing the world one life at a time. Loving the next person. Don't overcomplicate it. Just love the next person. Whatever they need, know that you have the solution on the inside of you. You have, you carry the solution with you. Isn't that exciting? I mean, come on. We've seen demonstration today. You got teaching that empowered you today. And now we get opportunity throughout our week to go out and do that, whatever that looks like with us and, us and Jesus. I have a friend that calls it Mises. I hope you don't think that's blasphemous. <laughs> but you, we're, we're one with him. 
And so, Father, thank you so much for a room full of powerful people that carry the the spirits of Jesus in and upon them. I thank you for divine enablement through your grace upon each one of us to be able to live this life that you've called us to, not in our own strength, but by yours. I thank you for a continue a continuation of transforming our minds through the truth of your word. I thank you for giving us specific declarations. Yeah, specific declarations that will help us to be able to believe everything that you say. That will help us in our self-care on a daily basis. That will help us push us further, faster than we ever thought we could go. Yeah, we thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in the room right now. I thank you for aha moments and light bulb moments. Ultimately, the spirit of revelation showing us this lifestyle is what we're made for. I thank you for a culture of honor and culture of empowerment that there's people that are in this room and some that aren't that have paid a price to to create this and continue to create this. I thank you for them. Thank you for the demonstration that their lives are. So grateful. So grateful. So we just welcome you, Jesus. Not just in the room, but into our daily life. We surrender to holy interruptions in our daily schedule. We thank you for highlighting people this week that we can can love whatever way that they need it. We thank you for helping us be more conscious of, of those that are around us, not be so distracted. I thank you for opportunity after opportunity And I thank you that there's no pressure. There's no pressure. There's no pressure. Thank you, Jesus, that you do all the heavy lifting. And that we're doing this with with you and not for you. So we surrender to this process of a culture of empowerment being created in us and therefore around us everywhere that we go. Help us to be conscious of the language that we use that is disempowering. And help us to replace it with empowering language. We know you've got lots and lots of it to give us. And so we thank you for this, Father, in Jesus' name. Thanks, Jesus. We've got a prayer team that's locked and loaded. (laughs) People that, if you need prayer, Maybe you, you needed healing or anything else. we got a prayer team up here that wants to pray with you, wants to encourage you, partner with you in anything that you need. Yes, Jesus. Bless you guys. And we're so grateful, so grateful for the privilege to be with you today. And I'm excited to see what happens during your week. Bring back testimonies of what God's doing and what God does. Have a great day.
Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.org.